All right. Hi, everyone. Good afternoon and welcome to the first and only episode of the Solidarity Podcast. Uh, my name is Joaquin Ramos. And I'm Sahara Otu. Uh, so today we'll basically be talking about exploring different connections as well as solidarity efforts between specifically land grab colleges and universities as well as the 1619 project that we learned about in this class. Um, we have a couple of different topics and ideas that we're going to go over and discuss. Um, but as always, if you guys uh, find any of our topics interesting or any of our questions interesting, write them down, say something in the chat or let us know. Um, and we can go ahead and um, pause these, pause this recording uh, so we can discuss it in detail as a class. So Sahara, first question I have for you. Um, to you, what is solidarity? And then what does it mean to you? Yeah, so I think solidarity is kind of a powerful word. Um, when I think of it, I kind of just think of the word unitedness, um, kind of just standing with people um, and, you know, working together. Um, I think society kind of just like standing together and for one another is kind of what it means to me of just being able to um, unite even, you know, put aside any differences and just unite kind of as one and stand with each other. Um, but what does it mean to you? See, I'm, I'm really glad you used the word like unite and together because I've always thought solidarity was just like, you know, working towards the same goal. Yeah. Um, but like over time, I've found that it means a lot more than that. And like, just like you said, like it's a pretty powerful word. Um, but rather than just working towards the same goal, I think it's just having the same sort of like understanding and values. And you don't necessarily have to agree with all these like values, but it's just understanding of like why something is the way it is or how something came to be. Um, and then, of course, when you have like those different like ideas or topics, like working together towards a specific outcome. Yeah, definitely. It's almost even, I kind of get from that word, kind of like a feeling even of standing together. Yeah, um, no, totally. I get, I, I'm right there with you. Definitely, definitely. And then also moving on to the word of diversity, like what does that kind of mean to you when you hear it? So that diversity, just like with solidarity, it's a really powerful word. I feel like it's a word that lately just gets like thrown around like it's nothing. Um, yeah. I feel like there should be like a lot more power behind it, if that even makes sense. No, for sure. But with diversity, I feel like it's, it's it could be like two-parted. So the first one is obviously diverse. So you have a mixture of different peoples, different cultures, races, languages, food, music, movies, anything like that. Um, but at the same time with being um, diverse, the second part of that would be um, just like with solidarity, just like being able to work with these different kinds of people. Um, and, you know, being Mexican and Latino diverse means a lot to me, being that, you know, I'm first generation American, I'm in a country where, uh, you know, my parents weren't even born in. So being, be, being labeled as diverse isn't like a negative connotation to me. But what about you? What, is, what does diversity mean to you? Yeah, definitely. And I love how you said about just different like 
within cultures, you know, the music, the food, there's so many different things that go into it, I feel like. Um, but yeah, when I think of it, I kind of, I guess visually, I think of just, you know, walking into a room and there being people of all different backgrounds, of colors, of um, cultures, of just like having different experiences. Um, and yeah, I think it's definitely important, like being able to come together um, and kind of teach others of your different backgrounds and kind of, um, you know, I think cultures and you know, how people grow up and things are so rich in different things. I feel like it's definitely really powerful and impactful to kind of like share all of that and kind of morph, you know, our future world with all of our different um, ideals. Because I think we all within our cultures and, you know, our diverse backgrounds kind of grow up with so many different experiences. So I think that that's really cool. So when I think about it, I kind of think about, you know, just like the backgrounds of how everyone got here and kind of just I guess, visualizing a room of just totally different people. Yeah. Um, um, okay, so moving on with the, now that we've explained what solidarity and diversity and what it means to us and what we feel like what it is. Um, so diving into the uh, land grab universities as well as the 1619 project. Yes. What to you, does it mean to live and work towards justice or towards like solidarity and belonging with respect to those two topics we're trying to cover? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like that's a great question because I think even in this class, it's something that we, you know, each week we kind of like take step towards and learn more about the ways that we can kind of better support these needs for diversity and justice and just standing with others and kind of building a sense of belonging. Um, I think in terms of like examples, I think of kind of just having people of diverse backgrounds and places of power, I think is really important um, where they're making decisions kind of on behalf of the people that they represent. I think it's important to know that there's, you know, people that look like you, people that have the same kind of morals and background as you um, and experiences making decisions that can impact you. So just like voting, um, you know, African-American, indigenous, people of all um, diverse backgrounds um, into positions of power, whether that be political, educational, kind of just like every sense of where, you know, these really impactful decisions are being made. Um, and I think also just even us as students, um, just when you see something unjust or you hear something unjust, um, being able to stand up for it, um, doing something about it, um, and making people feel supported. Uh, because I feel like that's a big thing, kind of going into solidarity and just belonging. Um, you know, sometimes we see in the media, I feel like now there's so much um, you know, being broadcasted that we're able to see nowadays. Um, so kind of just standing with, you know, people where we're seeing like this situation is unjust, like something needs to be done. I feel like standing with them and making them feel supported and feel seen. Um, and then also I think, you know, kind of a small thing that we can do in our communities is just supporting, you know, um, diverse owned businesses. I think that's something small and even within 
um, this pandemic too. I think that's something really powerful that we could be doing. Um, but I guess moving on from that too, um, what kind of knowledge do you think we um, should sustain and kind of support to be in good relations with um, people, land, waterways? Like what kind of things do you think that we can kind of do to move closer to that? That's kind of a tough question. Um, so with respect to specifically like, I guess, land grant colleges and universities, which I was really glad that you, you spoke about having like those individuals in like positions of power or like even as like teachers and different things like that, because this whole land grant process was completely new to me. Like I never learned um, about any of that kind of history or any almost zero history of like Native Americans or different things like that. So I, I completely agree with you on that one. Um, but yeah, with, with these like colleges and universities and even just in general, I think it's important to understand um, how these things came to be. So with respect to these colleges, I think it's really important to understand how these institutions were founded and how they were, they were funded as well. Um, what I think one of the greatest things we learned this semester was that map that the professor showed us, where it yeah. showed exactly what pieces of land were, were taken to sell. Um, that, that was extremely interesting because when I did, back when we did that project, or I think it was that week's like deep reflection, um, I did it for the U of A and they had land in like California too. So like land completely out of their state that they sold to fund the school. Um, and then not, I don't even, not only is it important to know how the school was funded, but I think even more importantly, it's to understand um, whose land was taken and how they were affected. Um, you know, it's, it's always been taught that, you know, Christopher Columbus and all the people from England came over here and they settled and they found a new colony and then they created this great new nation. When in reality, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of mini tribal nations were already here centuries before anyone even knew this land existed, right? And their story, their history, their culture, like it basically got removed from like everyday American culture. And now you see like these nations like pretty much condensed into like their own little corner of the world where like, they're basically on their own. Like they're, they're recognized as like federal land. Um, and at the same time, I think it's just important, like you said, to work towards pushing inclusivity, um, especially for all those who were affected. So again, going back to land grants, um, I think it would be cool to see like different programs directed towards like those native students, specifically at those colleges. Um, that were funded by the land grant. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, not only students, but going off of what you said too. So like focusing on opportunities for faculty or staff, um, you know, what's stopping them from hiring or appointing um, a Native American as, you know, president of the university. That would be out of this world too. Um, and then probably at like a lower level, probably like broadening education and curriculum so that it includes that history and not only Native American history, but African American history, Mexican history, Latino history, 
you know, all these racially minoritized groups, you know, their history is pretty much taught one-sided from the perspective of white Americans. When in reality, um, you know, the, the example I can think of is when I learned about Cinco de Mayo in school, it was completely different than when I learned about Cinco de Mayo from my mom, right? Yeah. And you could say things like that about holidays, about cultures, music, like you learn, so like in the US, you learn about Halloween. Well, in Mexico, you don't do Halloween, you do Dia de los Muertos, which is kind of the same thing, but not really. Like it's, it's weird with examples like that. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I, remember, I remember this quote too from, I can't remember what reading it was, but um, I, in my deep reflection, I remember saying kind of how history is written and narrated in ways that benefit the parties writing them. You know, so I like what you said about that, like in schools, it's like you learn all this stuff and then, you know, years later, you're like, wait a minute, that's, that's a little different than, you know, what I was learning for so many years. So definitely, I think schools is like a big, huge kind of area where we should definitely restructure things and look in ways to be a lot more inclusive. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you brought up that quote because I had one written down just like that and I completely flew over it. <laughs> mine's pretty similar. So mine's by like Winston Churchill, but I heard it for the first time in a video game. And oh, wow. that one, it's, it goes, history is written by the victors. So pretty much along those same lines as what you were saying. So I'm really glad you brought it up because I completely forgot about it. No, that's a great one for sure. And it's it's so clear. I think even in this class, I remember um, within our in-show um, course, we learned about the Moral Act and everything. And then we come to this class and we learn about it so much more and so much deeper. And you're like, wow, this thing that was kind of painted, you know, as this great thing that was, you know, fueling all these schools and allowing for education and inclusivity actually has, you know, a pretty dark backstory. So definitely, definitely. Um, and then going on to the next question, um, you know, a lot of us are working within ASU and hoping to in the future work there. Um, is there anything that you think you could do within your role at ASU to kind of create a more inclusive environment or kind of push for more um, diversity or inclusivity? That's a great one. Um, I don't know about doing something like that in my specific role, simply just because I work with um, primarily, right now I'm working with freshman students and parents. Yeah. So I'm kind of like binded to whatever kids or students are in my specific high school. Um, yeah. But speaking like as like an ASU student, um, kind of what you touched on earlier about how we should try and be more inclusive in our everyday life, like not only as a student, um, I think ASU does a great job at, you know, trying to be inclusive. Obviously, they're not perfect and they have, you know, a way to go, just like most organizations and entities and even human beings. Um, <laughs> but I really love how they have, you know, like, multicultural fraternities and sororities and not just your basic like panhellenic ones um, yeah. i love how they have specific clubs 
for like racially minoritized individuals. So like the first one I can think of is um, HBSA, the Hispanic Business Student Association. And I know like that they have um, Hispanic engineering ones and they have African-American engineering ones and they have, uh, you know, black coalition, Hispanic coalition, Asian coalitions and different things like that. Um, if you want to go like a little crazier, they have like all their own graduation. So they have the Hispanic convocation, the African-American convocation. And, you know, I feel like those are like good, like baby steps in the right direction. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd, I'd love to see, again, we sound like we're repeating ourselves, but it's, it's, I feel like it would be a great step in that direction to see more diverse population in leadership um, as staff, as faculty primarily. Um, I was pretty shocked to hear that I wasn't the only one this past week that said I've only had three professors of color in my undergrad, that there were others like, in the class that said that. I was pretty shocked at that because I thought it was just because of what I was studying because I was doing criminal justice. Yeah, I had the same thought too. Yeah, so I think to have that experience and to be able to see, to, you know, walk into a classroom or a lecture or even if it's like an online class and it's just like pre-recorded videos, to be able um, for a racially minoritized student to be able to see someone who, you know, looks like them, speaks like them, or, you know, has the same cultural beliefs as them, I think that'll make ASU a lot more welcoming. And at the yeah. same time, um, it'll probably help with like retention and not having so many students like drop out because they're homesick or they feel like they don't belong because like, I'm like, I'm in my master's right now. And sometimes even I think like, I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I, I don't belong here at all. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something that we all probably, you know, even struggle with. And I think definitely it's almost like, it's interesting, but I think that sometimes in college, um, you know, when you see a professor that does even just look like you or kind of share some of the same background as you, it's kind of inspiring and, you know, hopeful that like, wow, if they can do it, then, you know, maybe I can do it too. So I totally get what you mean by that for sure. Um, oh yeah, no, like with, with just like my work department, like I'll see like, you know, like my bosses and like supervisors and like higher ups and they're like, you know, the vice president of like, educational outreach or like you know they have like these really fancy titles yeah i see last names like hidalgo chavez um like different things like jimenez different things like that and i'm like wow like you know they did it what's stopping me from doing it and i feel like if everyone can have that experience that'll that'll probably be it, not only working towards like being more inclusive but it i feel like in the long run it'll just be so much more beneficial yeah, definitely. No, I remember even, I think it was today, getting an email from President Crow stating that, um, I can't remember the exact job title that it was, but um, this, you know, very um, prestigious title, um, it's the first time that a woman is ever holding the position. So even seeing things like that, I think, you know, as a young person kind of entering, you know, the field of higher education, I think things like that are even you know, kind of inspiring, and you're, you sit back, and you're like, wow, like, that's so cool that, you know, these, you know, steps are being taken, and these trailblazers are really, you know, getting into these different fields, and things like that. 
Oh yeah, you could even like argue the same thing with like Kamala Harris, like being the first woman, oh, yes, person of color to be VP. So now we've had a person of color as president. We're not gonna have a woman and person of color as vice president. And I'm really hoping now that sooner rather than later we get a woman and specifically a woman who's a person of color to be the president. I think that would be insane. And I think that would be so beneficial for so many people in this world, especially like, you know, little girls who look up to the, uh, like presidents or something. Like the first person I think of is like AOC, right? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> she is a bona fide badass sometimes. Like when I see like videos and like tweets and stuff like that, and like I'm just thinking of like little girls who like look up to her and like for her to be president, that would be insane. Yeah, no, I feel like, and I feel like that just sends such a powerful message. Like even, yeah, with Kamala Harris, I think, you know, I was seeing videos or, you know, little kids like taking pictures of the TV screen. I'm like, wow, that's such, you know, an amazing thing that they can see, you know, look at these, you know, women and um, people of color, you know, taking these you know, some of the top roles, like, I think that's amazing. And yeah, definitely, I think it would be so cool to see, you know, a woman of color, like, take that, you know, spot as president. Like, I think that would definitely be inspiring to so many young people. Um, cool. So let's end this out with the perfect hypothetical question, okay? <laughs> You're the president of a newly formed university, not yeah native land and not used you know not funded by the use of native land anymore um, yes. what would your perfect diverse and inclusive university or school look like oh i love this question um i think the first thing that i think about is kind of just you know having these faculty members having administrators that are from very different backgrounds um, that can bring that culture um, and that richness within the classroom um, and kind of just allow students on campus to feel like they, you know, it's evident that, you know, this, you know, we, um, we really value diversity here. We appreciate um, and acknowledge, you know, different cultures and we want that on our campus. Um, I was actually looking up um, within higher education, kind of like some diversity um, questions and things like that. And I came up to this um, university, it's called Mar Marquette University. Um, and they have like frequently asked questions here. And I thought I was like, oh my gosh, every university should have this. Um, some of them just to um, point out was, um, what is the campus environment like for women? Um, why is the HSI designation important here? Um, let's see, is Marquette recruiting more faculty of color? Are undocumented students welcome at Marquette? Um, how does Marquette support students with disabilities? Um, and I just thought like, wow, that's so cool to be able to go onto your university's page and see exactly how they're supporting, um, you know, diverse groups, how they're including them within their campus. Um, so I think if I could kind of create, you know, my ideal campus, it would, you know, be filled with people of different backgrounds. Um, 
and stories and definitely just a place where everyone feels they are valued and that they are seen um, and definitely having, you know, you know, presidents and from the top to the bottom of everyone just um, it being known that um, we are a school that, you know, includes people of all different backgrounds, um, you know, just an environment where they can really just thrive um, and feel comfortable and feel that um, opportunities are kind of limitless, I guess. Um, but yeah, what would your kind of perfect, diverse and inclusive school look like? It's going to be hard to top yours. I really love the, the frequently asked questions. I, I think schools definitely should do more of that. But I think it's also important to like, not only for the schools to be able to share that info, but at the same time, like, keep them accountable, right? Because like, if they're saying, oh, yeah, we're hiring, you know, more women than men right now. It's like, okay, but are you actually doing it? So that's also yeah. important. But um, I think I would make my university along the same lines as yours focus on different diverse backgrounds and leadership um, as well as like advisors and um, really focus on the diversity within like staff and faculty as well. Um, but I think I would also want to be a lot more inclusive of diverse students. So I think my primary focus as like the president would be to make the student body as diverse as possible. So giving opportunities to all students. Um, so whether that's like, you know, different diverse groups getting different application requirements. So, or even like offering more financial opportunities to specific individuals from, you know, Latinos or, or um, African-Americans or even natives and just get, giving them more opportunities um, and then I know some people would be like oh like that's unfair and everything but like you know us as like racially minoritized um, uh, individuals like the stack the the it's already like stacked against us right so to just be able to have more opportunities I think it would be able to to grow out a more like diverse student body so I think that would be really cool Definitely, definitely. Awesome. Well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Um, so are there any last like things you want to say or anything? Um, no, I think it just thanks for listening. And we definitely would love to hear your thoughts on these questions, if any of them kind of stuck out to you at all while we were talking. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it.